Welcome in another Garage Talk podcast. This is episode 38. It is Clyde Severson Jr. I know him as CJ and uh, welcome to the Garage Talk. Thanks, man. It's good to be here. Hey, I'm happy to have you in here. I uh, saw a video recently of you with the walker oh, yeah. doing your thing and uh, it really just caught my eye and especially with as many crazy things going on right now in the world, it just stood out to me as a, a positive ray of light and it instantly I was like, I got to have him over to the garage. Yeah. I'm um, glad you did because it's, I've been wanting to do this for a while. So, well, and I had no idea that you were interested in podcasts and maybe potentially doing one. And so when I reached out to you, you're like, Oh yeah, it'd be cool. I'd like to learn about it. So right. maybe we're, when we're done here, I'll give you a little, I mean, you got to see a little bit of me putting it together, right. but, um, this is pretty much it, man. I've got a laptop. I got a little mixer, a little, uh, whatever that thing's called that like, oh, interface and uh, plug in for some headphones. And here we are sweet. And today you get the, the special treatment because I have the pink headphones that I borrowed from my daughter. They're, you're rocking them though. So that's good. Are they, they look okay. Yeah. They okay, look good. good. Cause you know, the two of us are really trying to impress some folks here. In the right. Village, since it's just the two of us. Big crowd, you know, <laughs> uh, but you rolled on in here literally. Yeah. Literally man. in a wheelchair, in a wheelchair for now. So I don't really know how you ended up in the wheelchair and uh i want you why don't you just set the stage for us with that and we'll take it from there so um have you ever heard of fbla i'm sure you have matter of fact uh chris pendleton pendleton at hidden valley and you graduated from hidden valley yeah in 2013 yep and uh Runs a great program out oh, there. Oh, fabulous. He actually um, isn't running it anymore. He kind of stepped aside. Um, but, gosh, they won the state championship. When I know when I was there, it was 10 straight years, and I think they went a couple years more. So Just incredible with oh, the, yeah. uh, the future business leaders of America and, oh, yeah. and what he was able to do out there. I mean, oh. so many great kids. And just just touched so many lives and impacted so many people in such great ways. It was really awesome. So I I really miss it. But, um, so yeah, I was a part of that really heavily and was, I kind of went a different track. Most people do like projects and stuff like that where you, you know, write up a business plan and write a speech. Um, instead I kind of went like, I wanted to be the face and kind of the, the popular kind of everyone looks at you and stuff. Um, so I ran for state office as a freshman and, you know, I was speaking in front of, gosh, what was it? Like 600 people, you know, as a freshman standing up there, I was just shaking, but, um, and I just kind of ran with it. And then, um, my gosh, what was it? My junior year, I, um, was doing a community service event for children's miracle network, at a trampoline here in Grants Pass, or trampoline park here in Grants Pass. And uh, it was a 24-hour event. About five hours into it, we were kind of messing around and doing backflips and stuff and landed on top of my head and my neck rolled forward and bam, lost everything from uh, about shoulder width or shoulder level down instantly. I mean, it was like, the best way I can explain it is like when your legs fall asleep and you get that tingly, but it was that from neck down and it was way more intense. It felt like someone was taking little knives and just stabbing me. And just instantly. Instantly. I mean, my, like my body carried over and just kind of flopped over and my arms just fell. I mean, like a limp noodle. So. And at that point, what kind of stuff were you into? I mean, were you like every other high school kid that was active and involved in a lot of different activities that involves? Oh yeah. Well, and honestly, so as you said earlier, my uh, video of walking um, with a walker, it kind of 
all, all my activities kind of played into my recovery as of now because I was running track. Um, my coach was saying that I probably would have made it to state that year because um, I was just training so hard, lifting weights. I mean, I almost broke one of the school records. I was 135 pounds, and I was, like, benching 185 and deadlifting 335 and literally the week of my injury. So, And I went from that to not being able to pick up a pencil. So it was kind of a drastic change. What's going through your mind as that happens, as you kind of realize that obviously something bad has happened? Oh, God. Well, it's so long ago. But honestly, it was just kind of like, wow, something, something's really wrong. Like I knew something was wrong, and I heard, I heard a really loud pop. I mean, because it just, I mean, it basically exploded um, my, my vertebrae. And, uh, and like I said, everything just went limp. And so I was just kind of laying there like, okay, something's wrong. And, um, when you get paralyzed, um, that high up, it actually affects your diaphragm, which controls your breathing. And so it was like laying there, like gasping really hard for air. And it was just, it was almost impossible to breathe. It felt like, so it, it kind of in the back of my mind, I was like, oh my gosh, I might be dying right now. And, you know, facing that at 16 years old, it's kind of like, really surreal you know so and and there was it was really hard because I had there's probably 60 other people there and they were all my friends you know friends and parents and teachers and whatnot and uh so I was just I was just laying there and I was trying so hard not to cry like hey hold it together be strong it's gonna be okay and uh literally didn't even cry until they got me in the ambulance and then I asked if they had to stick a needle in my arm because I was deathly afraid of needles and I just lost it, started bawling. <laughs> so, but yeah, that's kind of just a lot of that went through my mind was just like, you know, I, I could be dying right now. Like this is kind of crazy what's going on for real. But. Well, and what a tough situation to be in knowing that something bad had happened, right. but also feel like you might die is is something that most people don't even think about right. in, in, until all of a sudden something happens, right? Uh-huh. But then also to know that you can't really move. So the thoughts are probably just racing as far as like, okay, I obviously don't want to die. Right. But I so, can't do anything so, to get out of this. Exactly. You know? So, okay. So you make it and then you still have this huge challenge to deal with. So what was the process like when they, so they take you to the hospital. Right. And then how long did you end up being there and what was that like for you? So I actually, it was literally um, right behind Cartwright's um, across from the fairgrounds. It was in a building right there. And um, the the crazy part, do you, you know where Griffin Park is? Mm-hmm. So my parents lived or lived there and right by it. And they actually beat me to the, three rivers hospital. So, um, and you know, they, they loaded me up on the backboard, took me in, put me in the ambulance, drove me straight there. Um, and, and it's a lot of, it's real hazy cause you know, my body was just in complete shock. And, and then once they started pumping me with drugs, it just kind of blackens out. But, um, kind of what happened was they, they got me to three rivers and, um, there was a trauma team waiting for my parents the they kind of pulled my parents in took real good care of them um my teacher dale fisher and chris pendleton were there as well um and i can't remember i think there was a um another gal there that was she's like another mom to me um but i i I really don't remember um but they all just kind of were in the room and i i remember laying on this really big hard uh square table and it just it felt 
obviously I couldn't feel anything, but to me it felt like it was painful. Um, and I, I, they had to, I was so upset cause I'd just gotten these brand new shorts and this shirt and they had to cut it all off of me and they covered me up with a blanket and everything. And, um, Dale Fisher came over and I actually, I, I was like, Hey, come here. Not with my hand, obviously, but I was like, Hey, come here real quick. And he came over and I was like, Hey, take care of my mom. And so my mom always is like, even in that moment, he was more worried about me than himself. And I was just like, well, I mean, you're my mom. So cut out. Oh, you're fine. It's just oh. the headphones. Oh, okay. There's a loose connection in there somewhere. Gotcha. Carry okay. On. So, um, so yeah, I was just worried about my mom. And then, uh, so after that, they kind of figured out that there was, something really wrong and got me into the MRI and figured out I'd broken my neck, um, my C5 vertebrae. And, uh, they were trying to figure out if I was going to go up to like Portland or Eugene or go over to Medford. And luckily there was a doctor, um, gosh, I can't even remember his name, but he had just gotten out of school, specialized in almost exactly my injury. Um, and so they shipped me over there. And I, I remember that, that ambulance ride from Grants Pass to Medford, it was brutal. And I know it's, it doesn't make sense because it shouldn't be painful because my body was numb. But I just remember hitting the bump, going over the, the bridge to Rogue River or like the, the overpass. That bump alone, it, it hurt really bad. Um, and then so I was in uh, RVMC for five weeks and, you know, it's just... The first time I sat up there, literally sitting up in a bed was, uh, gosh, it was like four hours after surgery. And they were, the doctors were really amazed because I actually had a little bit of balance, not enough to sit on my own, but they could tell that I had some balance in my core, which is like unheard of. Um, so I went through therapy there and was actually in ICU for 12 days to begin with. And that kind of most of that's a blur but i had you know some fun with it and you know i would <laughs> i would hold my breath and the the heartbeat monitor would start going off and nurses would come running in and and uh or i would push the call button you know i i would, could tell there was nothing really going on on the floor so i'd push the call button and they'd come running in and i'm like something's wrong and they're like what and i'm like i can't feel my legs and they'd be like oh my gosh and kind of just walk off so um but yeah, so I was there for five weeks there and then five weeks in Sacramento at Children's um, or at Shriners Children, Children's Hospital. When did they tell you what they thought was going to be your diagnosis as far as this is what you're dealing with and you're going to be dealing with this for a long time, maybe forever? Did they tell you that when you got to Medford oh, or when they they have a chance to – did they tell you that in Grants Pass or did, do I, you have any idea? Did I they don't, tell your parents – um, I think they told my parents in Grants Pass, but I don't remember. I remember um, kind of waking up in ICU and just my whole body was just so swollen from all the medications and everything they were pumping into me. And um, I remember one of the doctors coming in and being like, so this is this is kind of what's going on. And, you know, not a lot of people recover from this and it's pretty slim odds and kind of just, they weren't like super negative, but at the same time they weren't, you know, optimistic about it. And it was kind of like, I, I don't know, it was just hard. So, but at the same time, 
uh, one, one of the other first things I remember saying was, you know, one day this is going to make a really, really great speech. So, uh, I don't know. I've just really tried to stay positive since the beginning of all of it. And did they tell you that you weren't going to be able to move anything below your shoulders or at that point, I mean, you you were talking about sitting up. So was that the first milestone was actually to be able to, to kind of sit up and what, what were your arms doing at that point? Um, gosh, it's like I said, a lot of it's hazy and that's one of the things that's hazy. I, I can remember having my feet off the edge of the bed and then, um, they were kind of holding me from front and back and just trying to see, you know, if I would fall over or if, if I could hold myself a little bit. And I guess I was able to a little bit. And, um, like I said, they were all really, really shocked at it. So, and then, um, gosh, a couple months or a couple weeks later when I was out of ICU, uh, this is the first time I sat up in therapy. I was only able to sit, literally sit like we are right now for, I think it was like 10 or 15 seconds. And my blood pressure just dropped. I mean, pass out, my ears started ringing, my eyes just started getting all fuzzy. And so, uh, that was, that was the next thing. It was like, let's, let's get to where you can, you know, start sitting up for 20 minutes a day or an hour a day and just slowly work on that. But, and uh, it's just, it's crazy to think back on some of that stuff, you know? So in your mind, and I know a lot of it's hazy, but how do you process all of the thoughts that are coming at you as far as, you, you know, you're 16 years old, you want to be super involved in, in the stuff you're doing at school right. and you're involved in the event that you were, right. the, that you were at when you got injured, right? Uh-huh. So then to be sitting there in the hospital, how do you even kind of wrap your arms around what's even happening? Well, a lot of it for me, honestly, um, you know, I grew up in a good family, good parents that loved me and did really good for me and um, a lot of good friends that kind of came behind me um, and, and my faith. I mean, I just, for me, I believe in God and, you know, it was like, he's all powerful to me and he, he can fix anything and everything at, at any point. So it's, you know, I could wake up tomorrow and be completely fixed or not. You know, it's, I, I don't know. It's just, and, and I guess another thing really was, uh, my track coach, he always instilled in us that the, the word can't is a bad word. It limits you and it makes you, um, it just puts a limit on yourself, you know? If you say, I can't do something, then you're right. You can't do it. Mm-hmm. If you say, I can, you're going to do everything you can to get to that point, you know? Yeah, and even if you don't end up getting there, at right. least you tried and maybe learned something along exactly. the way. Exactly. So, um, in fact, like, when we would run track track practice, if we said can't and he heard us, we had to do plyometric push-ups. Have you ever seen those? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, we had to do. I actually owe him some because I did wheelchair track um, my senior year, too, so... I owe him some because I said it a few times, but I I really try not to say that. But um, I guess guess that really, um, those few things kind of really kind of helped start me off in a positive spot to where, you know, it just, there was nowhere to go but up, you know, so. How long were you in the hospital? Total. um, So I got hurt on December 1st of 2011 and I think I came home in like February 10th or something. And I was back in school on the 13th or 
14th or whatever. But what uh, was that like? Oh man, I just I wanted to be back around my friends so bad. It, it, so it was a Thursday that I got hurt. Um, I woke up on Friday or whatever, or actually Saturday because I had surgery on Saturday, and I was like can I go to school on Monday? <laughs> so I just wanted to be around my friends. You know, I, I'm a social person and I thrive being around other people and just talking to people. So, um, as soon as I got back, I was like, I'm ready. I want to go to school. And it was, it was a really, it was a big learning curve for me and for hidden Valley. Cause you know, they, they have uh, special needs kids, but no, there hasn't been really a lot of kids that have gone through there in general ed, that are you know disabled so or, or severely disabled i should say um and so it was a really big learning curve there was a lot of obstacles the doors in the high school were impossible i mean i i figured it out because you know i just i'm I, i'm a problem solver so it was like i had to grab the door swing it open and at that point i was actually in a power chair so i would spin the chair as fast as i could and it would catch the door and then i could just back through the door <laughs> so, and I didn't want, I didn't want any special extra stuff. You know, I didn't, they, they offered to assign me an aid and I was just like, you know, I don't, I don't want that. I just want to be a normal kid, you know? Um, and, and so it was just a really big learning curve, really. I mean, my hands didn't work. So I had this thing that clipped onto my hand and I would slide a pen in it and I would write like this, um, with my hand open and palm down. It was just the weirdest thing. So kind of like you're waxing. Something yeah, almost. yeah. 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 Exactly. Um, and it was hard cause I was in like, I was in an AP, I can't, I can't remember if it was AP comp or AP lit, you know, where you have to write like a 50 page report. So uh, it was really hard. And that was kind of, um, we worked on a 504 plant where it kind of minimized my workload. So I wasn't, you know, beating myself up every day because I was doing therapy back then a couple times a, a week. And so between therapy and school, um, it was just killing me because, I mean, my, my energy levels, it was I, I could only do so much in one day. And when I go to therapy, even back then, I gave it my all, you know. I just I, I left everything there to the point where I would fall asleep on the way home. So, wow, yeah. And, and it was weird because um, – I didn't want to ride the short bus just because there's always been a bad stigma, you know, his kids can be really mean and stuff. Um, and so my parents would always, or not always, but they, at first they would drive me to school and, um, and then it just got to the point where it got so expensive that it was like, you know, you got to ride the bus. So they would come and pick me up and, and, you know, at first it was really hard to adjust to that, you know, I, uh, <laughs> 16 years old and I've already had to adjust my life so much mm -hmm. and it's like, well, I don't want to have to do this too. What if someone makes fun of me? Um, and you know, Hidden Valley is a really great school and, and, um, none of the kids were mean or anything. And, and actually, um, I met some lifelong friends on that bus. So I, I'm actually, you know, it's hard because Part of me is like, you know, I hate that this happened to me, but part of me is like, I've been so blessed and just, I've had so many great things come out of it that at the same time, it's not a good thing, but it's a blessing in disguise and ways. So, um, and some of those friends, like I said, will be lifelong friends forever. So do you think some of that is because 
you've seen what it's like to have a quote unquote normal life yeah. of just being a kid who can do all of the things, run track and all of that. Then all of a sudden you're kind of thrust into this other life yeah. that almost bridges the gap between what normal life is and some of those kids that deal with challenges. Right. So it's almost like you can see both sides yeah. or at least this, the way I'm kind of hearing yeah. it come well, from you is like, okay, you have all the way over here and all the way over here. And now you kind of in the middle bridging it. the gap between the yeah. two. Well, yeah. And that's, and that's what I mean. Like hidden Valley, it was a real learning thing because, um, on the back of the school, they've got, I can't remember exactly what it's called, but it's, um, kids that are severely disabled, um, mentally and physically. Um, and, uh, you know, they don't, a lot of them don't go into general ed classes. Some of them do, but, um, and, and then there was me, you know, on the total opposite side where, you know, I was in general ed, but I was, I was still severely disabled. And so you're, yeah, you're completely right. It kind of bridged it to where, you know, everyone kind of understood a little bit better. And it was, I, like I said, it was just a blessing for me. And I think for Hidden Valley and, you know, a lot of the people too. So, so as you moved on in high school, was that your sophomore or junior year? It was my junior, it was uh December of my junior year. Okay. So you still had another full year after that to oh, come yeah. back as a senior. And what was the rest of high school like? Man, it was, it was awesome. I actually, I, I just turned 25 last week and what I would give to go back to high school. Like, and, and I try and tell that to kids anytime I meet them and they're like, no, you know, I hate it. And like, trust me, you'll miss it someday. Um, but it was really great. You know, people, my friends or even just kids in school, you know, they would help me out doing whatever I needed. Um, and I just, uh, it was just awesome. You know, and like I said, I did wheelchair track. That was, that was a lot of fun. Um, it was, I was one of the first, actually, I think I was, I can't remember if I was the first or the second kid at Hidden Valley to do that before. Um, and a member in the community let me borrow his chair and everything. And, and so that was pretty cool and kind of made me feel normal, you know, quote unquote. But, um, you know, it was just, it was awesome. I got to do, uh, host uh senior superstars the one year it's like a pageant for the the seniors and they raise money for um i think children's miracle network also or or one of the really great organizations like that um and so you know and, and kind of everyone knew of me i hate to sound like big-headed or whatever but it's kind of hard not to get hurt like that and have go to school and you know, people see you in a completely different way and them not to know of what happened. Um, and so, you know, I had a lot of underclassmen and even a few upperclassmen that said, you know, all the time that you're an inspiration and I look up to you and, you know, keep doing what you're doing. And it's just like, you know, I'm just trying to get better and just trying to live my life as a normal kid, you know? So, um, high school was great. I really enjoyed it and miss it. And I don't know, it, it just had, it, it was just a lot different after my injury, you know, and, and different in good ways and different in bad ways, you know, just problem solving really. Yeah. So. What were some of the biggest challenges that people wouldn't think of? Oh my gosh. <laughs> bathrooms. Bathrooms were very difficult because there was only one in the school that I could really get into. Um, and there was a, there was, it was back in that, that, uh, area, um, kind of where the, more severely disabled kids were and and so there was kind of a set schedule where 
you know, I could only go back there a certain time. And, um, so at first that was kind of hard, but then I just kind of learned how to deal with it and figure it out and everything. Um, and then like locker, I couldn't use a locker. So I had to either carry all my books or have second set of books. Um, and then kind of just figuring out, like, like I was saying earlier that, you know, I would give my all in therapy and by the time I'm home, I'm exhausted. And I still had, you know, you know, most kids would have an hour of homework. And for me, it'd be like three hours. And so just working with the school system, um, trying to figure out that even level of, you know, this isn't too much work. And that was what the 504 plan was. Um, and it was just, I mean, it, it, they worked really well with me. There was just a few hiccups here and there, but over time it kind of got polished out. So those were kind of the biggest things for me. As you're going through high school before this happened, what did you want to do? Like, did you have an idea of what you wanted to do when you got out of high school? Oh yeah. Well, actually I'd thought about going straight into the military after high school. Um, obviously that didn't happen. (laughs) Um, and then at one point I kind of wanted to be getting to law enforcement. And, uh, so that totally got changed for me too. And, and, uh, it was interesting because afterwards and still to this day, like motivational speaking, like I love being on stage. That's, I, I thrive. I love being in front of people and, um, it's just fun. Like, um, my junior year. So, so literally to not to jump to something else, but, um, backing up to when I came back to school, um, FBLA became my niche. Like that was my thing because I could do that in a chair standing it didn't matter. Um, and so I actually, when I got back, I told, uh, my, or I told Chris Pendleton, I was like, I want to run for national office. And he's like, what? He's like, it's February. You have to put a speech together, an entire campaign, um, to run at state level. So to run for national office, you had to hold a, hold a state office in the state of Oregon. And, um, so I was like, all right, well, I'll run for that then. And he's like, dude, you have to put together an entire campaign, a speech and everything in like a month. I was like, well, okay. So I did it all, got there to state and I got there and there was no one else running. So I was like, well, I guess it was meant to be. And, uh, so the next step was to put together everything for a national campaign, which it actually took a lot. It was like a $2,000 deal. I had to raise $2,000 to put towards this, um, you know, posters. Um, I mean, it's like a presidential campaign, but on a really small scale, but, um, you know, there's 10,000 kids that go to these conferences. And so this was in San Antonio, Texas, uh, get up on stage in front of 8,500 kids. And I'm just like, Holy crap. Am I doing this? (laughs) Like what's going on? Gave my speech. There was no one else running. I won it. I was like, what? What are the odds? Right? I mean, out of the FBLA, there's 250,000 kids in the nation in the program. Did you know going into it that there was no one else? Or did they let you go up there and then say... Well, it was... I found out, like, the day I got to San Antonio. They're like, oh, yeah, by the way, you're running unopposed. And I was like, see, Pendleton, I told you it was meant to be. (laughs) So, uh, I I mean, it was one of the scariest moments of my life. Is that the most people you'd ever at that point talked yeah. in front of? Yeah. yeah, at that point. It was really scary, but I it was you want know, talking about an adrenaline rush. That was it was insane. 
it was so much fun and and right then it was like it was like a drug in the system man i was like i was hooked instantly um and then my senior year uh we went to uh anaheim and that was the biggest conference they had had to date ten thousand kids and it was the coolest thing. So actually, and when I was in San Antonio and I ran for office, um, my the ending line of my speech was, and I will stand on this stage as your national treasurer next year. And then I went off stage and, you know, obviously I had won after that. And then uh, senior year, we're you know, on stage and saying our goodbyes. And it's kind of a bittersweet moment. Stood up in front of 10,000 people and just got a standing ovation. It was insane the whole room was it was just awesome and is that something you did on your own like were you able to get yourself up yeah i so i actually had two buddies come up um to hold my walker just in case um and i wanted them up there just as support in case because back then it was still kind of hard to stand Mm -hmm. um but yeah and and i had to go to the bathroom so bad like and for me when i have to go to the bathroom it makes my I, i have really bad leg spasms um and it makes them worse and so like 30 seconds or probably probably a minute before I go on stage I'm like oh no I gotta go to the bathroom like this is gonna be interesting get up there stood and my legs started shaking a little bit but I I mean I just was like not now I'm not falling in front of 10,000 people like that'd be really that that wouldn't be good so um but I did it I mean I followed through with my, my promise that I was gonna do it and I did it that's awesome it was great and you know someone who talks in front of large crowds yeah usually that urge that you have to go pee doesn't even necessarily mean you have to go right for me it does sometimes because i have a small bladder but yeah and i have you know all these water stacked up right. notice i'm nursing it because i don't yeah. want to have to go going in the middle of the it. podcast but um it happens all the time sometimes i'll go and this is probably tmi but who cares like sometimes i'll go two or three times right in like a 15 minute span before going up like at a festival or wherever because right. i'm like all of a sudden here it comes like I've done auctions and yeah. you know, charity work and it's like, man, I've already peed eight times or I feel like it's been that many yeah. times. It's just nerves. Oh yeah. And it's, then, yeah. you know, then you get up there and usually I forget about that right. altogether. And then three hours later, I'm like, oh yeah, I guess I, I guess I didn't really have to go. As yeah. you're up there, you're just thinking, don't screw up. Don't screw up. Don't screw right? up. Yeah. It's intimidating with oh, all it those is. eyeballs and the people who have never done it before don't really well, they kind of know if they had to read in class out loud. Right. Like I remember in elementary school going, oh, it's almost my turn. It's almost right. my turn. And oh, I didn't no. really want to. Yeah. And then, you know, just like, and I don't want to mess up this word right now. Right. Yeah. You really know? And then slow. you get up in front of all those people and it's like, okay, well, they're all staring. Now right. what? Well, I don't know for you, but for me, like small crowds, way more intimidating, way more. Elementary like, school crowds. Well, yeah. Are oh, the yeah. worst. Oh, yeah. It just it's so more intimate I feel like and and you can see every single individual person. I would I would take 10,000 over 15 any day. Yeah. Hands well, down. especially when people are in a crowd that's kind of wound up right and they're cheering about something or have been right. it's pretty easy to get them to make noise. Right. But if there's 3 or yeah. 10 and everyone just stares at you. Yeah, and you're like, okay. or in the case of the elementary school, I was just like I was trying to get down to their level, which is pretty much my level so it shouldn't have been that difficult but they all just stared like i guess i'll just keep talking right no reaction just yeah we got nothing here (laughs) and then they're like oh the teachers you did such a good job i'm like i have never felt worse about talking to a crowd i'm gone i'm out of here (laughs) yeah you did great i did okay (laughs) yeah i don't know about that so but yeah I, i miss that stuff a lot yeah 
So, but and and I don't know. Like I said, I feel like it was meant to be. I don't know if I hadn't been in the chair, if it would all worked out. You know, so yeah, it, you just never know where that path would have led you, right? Because you said you graduated two thousand thirteen. Yep. So you know, seven years ago, Gosh, there's still a that. lot of guys in the desert. Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Like, you get sent off to Afghanistan yep. or Iraq. Or, That's where my or, brother was my right after, or right before I got hurt. So so was, you could have easily ended up there. And oh, you yeah. don't know if you'd have been in something worse than a wheelchair. Right. I mean, who knows? Right. Or for a different reason. Right, you know, exactly. In the same chair. It's, it's so hard to say. But, mm-hmm. you know, you just it's hard to step back though when you're in the middle of something like that, I'm sure. And no matter what the situation is for anyone, whatever hard situation it is. And they feel like, you know, everything's changing and what's happening. And I know even right now, you know, if we were to talk about right now, there's been so many things that have happened. It's constantly changing. Every every day it changes. Yeah. Whether it's your financial situation or your, your health profession, your health, your family, you know, people, no people who have gotten sick, you know, luckily not many here, but yeah. it's happened. And, yeah. and then you have the social issues and there's just so many things going where people are just like wound well, so tight. And honestly, like, like you said, my video, um, that's kind of where I'm just trying to shift. Like I used to be very political on Facebook and stuff and like probably, I don't know, two or three weeks ago, I was like, you know what? I'm just sick of all this stuff. I, I'm not even going to, I'm not going to play into it. I'm not posting any of it. I'm not doing anything negative. I just, I really want to focus on positive um, and just try and be a light in the dark, man. I mean, there's so much dark and evil and nastiness in this world right now that I just, I want to try and be a light and encourage people. Yeah, we have to be. Oh yeah. We absolutely have to be. And I was talking to someone the other day and I told him if not us, then who else is going to do it? Right. Because there's so many people that are loud right now who are, you know, Hateful. promoting negativity yeah. and hate. And it, there's so many people in this world, you know, I don't know if it's 10 to one, 20 to one, 50 right. to one, a thousand to one that feel a different way. Right that are just happy to have what they have and to work hard and all of these things. And so when you step outside of all the noise and negativity on the internet and you and I are just sitting here in my garage, like I have great neighbors, I have a nice spot here. Right. And it's pretty simple. Yeah. And when you just break it down and are there issues? Yeah, absolutely. Are there issues that need to be addressed? Absolutely. Live in the moment. But how do we, uh, how do we approach it better? Right. You know, how do we approach it? with a more caring spirit, you know, because yeah. that's what is just completely lost. And that's awesome that you, you kind of chose to go a different direction. Well, hate, hate breeds hate. Why not think of it the opposite way? You know, being positive breeds positivity. So that's kind of what I mean. I just, I, I want to just put it out there and kind of try and change the world. You know, at this point, I don't even know that I want to raise kids in this world just because it's so messed up. I feel like it's, it just scares me to the core, you know? Yeah. But, it's a weird feeling. I'll no. tell you, having one in the middle of all of this. Oh, I bet. Is, um, it's hard to even, put into words. Even before, th- even before we had the fifth one, I remember people saying to me, I can't believe you're going to have that many kids at a time like this, you right. know, with this, cra- that's gotta be so hard. And, and then to have one in the middle of it, maybe it was a blessing though, because I had more time to be around here and, 
and right. uh, I've never spent this much time around my kids ever because I always work a ton. And, and you're probably loving it. And yeah, and so to be around them and to see their personalities, and it's like this is all going to be okay. Oh yeah. No matter what, and whatever happens is going to happen. Right. You, so you can't change it. We'll just. It's even a better lesson, I think, to live every single day, as you know what it's like to be appreciative of every single day. Oh yeah. Because <laughs> not knowing at one point if you're going to make it or not. Right. And so just appreciating it, whereas some people are just freaked the hell out. I'm going, yeah. I don't, I understand there's challenges and there's going to be challenges for everyone, whether there's a pandemic yep. or social issues. So how do you just work through them? And it's not all, you know, roses and unicorns for me by any <laughs> means, but just approaching it with a different attitude right. oftentimes gets you a different result. Changes the situation. Yeah. Well, not necessarily changes it, but if you just, for me, like, like yeah i can't do a lot of things you know i would love to go hiking or you know go do this that or the other but it's like just focus on the things i can do Mm -hmm. you know and that's that's kind of where you saw the videos that i've been posting thanks to some really great friends and and this community this community has literally come along and picked me up grants pass the community around here and medford just fantastic people around here you know People are like, how do you do this? How do you how do you keep going? It's like, well, I mean, part of it's me, part of it's my faith in God for me, um, and a lot of it, honestly, is just the feedback I get. You know, it's like, it's like, like I said, it's like a drug, man. When someone's like, you know, hey, you, you know, you inspired me to do this, or you know, you made my day. It's like, cool. I want to do that for you every single day. You know, I, I don't know. I just love making people happy. So, and especially in a time like this. So you've been going to physical therapy eight years since your accident. Well, yeah, technically, I mean, in the hospital, but I've been going to the same um, physical therapist for about eight years now. And when did you really see some significant progress that made people go, okay, there might be something here. Like maybe he's going to do something that we didn't expect. Oh gosh. It was probably... Well, I mean, honestly, so like I said, I came home in February, probably about March or April. One day, it wasn't even in physical therapy. I was I was laying in my hospital bed in my house because I had to have a hospital bed back then. Um, and I was laying there and I just, my foot, like for a week before my foot, because I had actually regained feeling at that point. It only took me about a month for some reason. It just all came back. Um, but it wasn't like normal. And that wasn't supposed to happen. No, 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 that wasn't supposed to happen. So that was, that was kind of a, a big first step of like, holy cow, like this is kind of cool. Like I can feel someone touching my legs. You know, it was interesting. Um, and then, like I said, probably a week in like March or yeah, probably March or April, I was laying in bed one day and my foot had just been hurting like crazy for a week. And uh, all of a sudden my toe just kind of wiggled a little bit. And I was like, what the heck? Hey mom, come here. She came running and she saw it and she literally screamed. My dad was outside. He came running in cause she, she was my caregiver. And so she would transfer me and stuff. He thought she dropped me. And so he's like, what's going on? You know, all freaked out. And then I showed him and he, he was just like, holy smokes. Like you're not supposed to be able to do that. Like, you're a C5 incomplete quadriplegic. Like that's not normal. Um, and then kind of after that, it just, 
it started uh, the best way I can think of it. It's like, it's a mountain, you know, like you start at the very bottom and it gradually gets steeper. Like that was my recovery. It slowly started getting faster and faster. And then I would have times where it would like plateau out on me, you know, just flatten out. And then all of a sudden it would start going up again, you know? Um, and so for the longest time, they actually had to get me in like the parallel bars. There was a hoist that runs over the top of it and they would have to put me in this great big huge harness and it was not good for my manhood at times because it was a little tight, but... Um, <laughs> hey, you talk like this? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Ratchet that thing down. Oh, yeah. I, I would always make the joke of, you know, my, my future children are screaming right now, but um, they would hoist me up and at first she would... Uh, my physical therapist, um, her name's Paige. She's awesome. She would shout out to Paige. Yeah, shout out to Paige. She would actually um, have to scoot my feet forward for me and just kind of get me in the motion of walking a little bit. Um, and I had these my dad's size twelve cowboy boots because my feet would swell, and so I had to have you know extra room because I only wore I think nine and a half or tens, and uh, and these things. Gosh, I felt like they were like five pounds each, you know? And, uh, so I was, she would drag my feet for me and slowly over time, it just, the movement of that, I guess, just started connecting things. And eventually it was like, I have a video on my phone somewhere of my very first or my, my second first steps, you know, it's kind of interesting because, you know, you think of a kid and most kids don't have videos of their first steps or, you know when 20 what 25 years ago you know video cameras were great big huge bulky things mm-hmm. so um i don't even think we have video of my first steps but i have video of my second first steps and how old were you when you took those steps oh gosh it would have been i was probably probably 17 actually so still oh no actually you know what it was probably yeah i was probably 17 because um, I graduated at 17, and one of my goals was to walk across the stage and get my diploma, and I did. I, I mean, and that was the other standing ovation I got at Hidden Valley. It was awesome, and that was it was really great because um, my grandfather. That was the last time I ever saw him alive, and he was that got, at your graduation? Was that my graduation? And he was there to see that. Gives me the chills. That's oh, crazy. I've got a really great picture. Um, some of the photographers were, you know, facing the stage, but one of them got a shot facing my entire family and they were all in the front row. And my grandfather wasn't like a super outward emotional guy, but in this picture, just huge smile. And I, it, it's hard to talk about because I miss him so much, but at the same time, that picture alone, I mean, it just means the world to me because it's like I know how proud of me he was of that day. And and it's the other thing is it's hard because I was so inundated by people after that that I didn't even get to go say hi to him. So it was like I saw him and he saw me, but I didn't get to talk to him. And that was the last time I saw him. So so at the same time as it being really cool, it's really hard. Mm-hmm. But even seven years later, you know, but I don't know. It's just awesome. Wow. So, that's crazy to think about. Right? Yeah. So, I don't know. Just it worked it, out how it was supposed to work out. Right. I'm sure, you know. Oh, yeah. Well, and, and how much work it took to get to that point. I mean. I can't even imagine. Oh, that I, 
that harness i hate that harness man it is not my friend even to this day it's still um i still go to the same therapy and every time i look at it i'm just like mm, i don't miss that because at this point i don't even need it i just i just go with a walker i just um oh god i love it i i actually have it tomorrow so uh i just get there stand up for a little bit in the bars for you know five ten minutes and then literally just walk out the end of them um grab the walker that's at the end and just start walking what's that like for you oh freedom it it feels like freedom think of like william wallace just freedom you know (laughs) it just it feels great and and i've always had the you know the drive to work really hard when it comes to not school i wasn't i enjoyed school because i enjoyed being around my friends and stuff but schoolwork mm, but um working out my body i've always loved that you know like i said i was working working out all the time um and so and then that's where i would take out all my anger and frustration and so it was like gosh i I can't work out but when i'm in therapy i can take everything and just put it all into that and um it just feels so good and most people would think you know oh he's just twisting and throwing his legs but it's actually like full steps knee lifting knee taking a full step um i can walk backwards i can take side steps uh i started working on stairs a little bit going up is easy going down is really hard for me at this point but um you know that's just a small obstacle small hurdle to get over how often do you go to physical therapy and how often have you over like say the last you know, five or six years. Is well, it consistent or is, does it kind of ebb and flow depending on how you're feeling and what you kind of like your motivation, right? Where the level is there on your, for, for <sighs> I get really actually frustrated at myself with this because, um, I was really close. Like I'm actually closer than I was, or I'm closer now than I was then, um, to walking like unassisted, I felt like I was really close. I mean, I got up in the, the loft strand crutches, if you know what those are, the, they kind of attach onto your forearms. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so I, I actually walked a lot in those for a while, um, in therapy. It wasn't like outside of therapy, but, um, my therapist would spot me and stuff. And, uh, I kind of, well, I got my truck and kind of went through a phase of, you know, I got my, my independence of driving and just wanted to go everywhere and do everything. So, um, kind of almost don't want to say gave up, but kind of wasn't my top priority. Um, were you unsure if you would ever be able to, or like, was there, oh, there's, did you doubt it? And so you just thought, well, it'd be easier just to go hop in my truck and take off and oh, yeah. go into physical therapy. Oh, well not instead of, I mean, I've never had the, the idea of like, Oh, I just don't want to go, you know, but it was kind of like, you know, I only get so many visits of physical therapy a year through my insurance. Um, and so, you know, I would run out and it's like, well, you know, I don't really need to do anything else at home, but you know, therapy extends beyond the building. You know, you got to do it all the time. Otherwise you're never going to get past it. So, uh, I, I just, I don't know. I get really frustrated cause it's like, I was right there and I kind of gave up and kind of was like, yeah, I don't know if I'll ever make it again, so why try? And then, um, I don't know, something something lit the spark back inside, man. It was just like, no, that's not you. Get, get moving again. Kind of got away from the bad crowd and kind of got my focus back going and just 
started moving so and haven't stopped and it, actually I, i'm picking up now I'm, i feel like i'm gonna be up in two years or less without wow. without a walker without crutches just me what does your physical therapist say well you know she she doesn't want to go either way really just not to give me too much hope but not to uh you know say like oh you're never gonna do this you know um it's actually kind of interesting because one day I was having a really rough day, you know, girl problems and whatnot back then when I was 17 or whatever, 18 maybe. And, uh, I was just having a really rough day and, you know, she was probably one of the closest people to me then because you know, I was going to PT, gosh, back then I think it was two or three days a week. And so I'd see her all the time and it was just her and I, and I said to her one day, I was like, you know, I just having a really hard time. I don't know if I'm ever going to make it. And she's like, look, you honestly, you might not, you know, you might not be what we call a long walker, quote unquote, because, you know, you might be able to get up with your walker and walk 20 feet to the fridge or, you know, this or that. And that day I set the record for myself. I was like, yeah, right. You think I'm not going to walk a long ways? You know, I'm not going to be a long walker. Watch this. I walked all the way down like the end of the hallway. I think it was like 300, 400 feet or something like that. And she was like, holy cow. Like, thank you for proving me wrong. So, um, it's pretty awesome. It was really great. Uh, and, and that's what happens. I feel like a lot of the times for me, I kind of go into a negative place and then it's like, no, that's not me. I need to really focus. And then it just, I, I start going again and it just picks up. But this time probably, gosh, what was it? Like I said, I think it was like two weeks ago or something. I was just like, I'm done with this. And I, I want out of this chair. So I started taking some supplements and all kinds of stuff. And I hate needles, like I said earlier also. And I was like, I'll even do acupuncture. But uh, the thought of it just. Oh, so you haven't done it yet? I haven't. But. My Doesn't, grandma swears by it, man. It, she is like the biggest fan of acupuncture. I know. Really? Oh yeah. She's like, it's not really that bad, which I'm not a needle guy either. Um, but it may be worth it. Yeah. I mean, if you try it once, what's the worst thing that can happen? Well, that's true. I mean, yeah, that's very true. I just, everyone's like, oh, you know, it doesn't even hurt. I'm like, it's not the pain I'm worried about. It's, it's for me, it's the thought of like it going into my skin. Ugh. Even now, it's just like. It just gives me the chills. I hate it so much. But, I mean, if it'll help me get better, get back on my feet, I'll do whatever. I, I don't care. You just have to visualize, like, close your eyes and visualize. Me running. You, you running. Yeah. Well, I was going to say taking steps. Or that works, well, Obviously, too. you've taken steps. But, like, yeah. if you just think of, like, I'm, I'm closing my eyes here so I can visualize, like, you know, like, just one step after another after another. Right. And then it's like every time they, it's like, okay, boom, there's another step. There's no, you just yeah. find a way That's actually a good idea. to tie it all together. You know? I'm going to try that if I ever do it. Okay. Which I, oh gosh. Again, I, I haven't done it, so I shouldn't be pushing you to do it. just go but, together. <laughs> yeah, right? Come on, <laughs> Jason, let's support. go. Yeah. Like, how come there's two naked dudes? <laughs> We're just getting acupuncture. <laughs> yeah. Don't worry about it. No, I don't know. I just, um, I even went into one of the stores here in town, one of the natural food stores, and I was like, I know you guys can't tell me, like, this will make me walk again, but what's going to help me walk again? And then the gal's like, well, you know, try this and this. It, You know, it'll take time to kind of activate in your body, but give it a try. And um, it's this powder or uh, supplement stuff. It's for, like, joint regrowth or soft tissue or something like that. 
and so far it's seeming to kind of help things move along a little bit better so that's great i mean i'm sure it can't hurt if it's some type of natural thing yeah well it's got all kinds of um natural minerals and you know some of your stuff you take in like daily supplements and all that kind of stuff so i don't know it's going well so far we'll see so i i think i've been doing it for about a month so and i i'm terrible like i've been taking the same medication for almost nine years and I forget daily, like, oh, shoot, I was supposed to take that like an hour ago. You know, you'd think after nine years, I'd just automatically know I got to take this. So, but uh, I don't know. I just, I'm ready to be out of this chair and kind of start moving along and doing everything I can't do now. And and it's funny because I've had people like, so when you're back on your feet, like, what are you going to do? And I'm like, everything everything i i don't care i mean everything good everything positive of Mm -hmm. course but um sleep's not gonna be that important (laughs) i love sleeping in and everything but you know i can sleep when i'm dead i don't don't need it i want to do everything i can go hiking and just i can't wait it's gonna be great have you set a goal for when you can just to get to where you want to be like said, Whatever that looks like. What does that look like? And, well, and what kind of timeline have you set for yourself? Well, like I said, have? so like two years is like, and one thing I, I love this because I've had a lot of people ask me over the time, like, oh, so when do you think you'll be back up? Or when do the doctors tell you when you'll be back up or whatever? And, and you know, it was when I turned 25. Well, I turned 25 last week. And that was, you know, when I was 18 or something thinking, oh gosh, 25 so far out. No, it's really not. <laughs> but um, when you don't reach your goal, just reset it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it it kind of sounds like not necessarily lazy, but you know, when it's a when it's a really hard, almost impossible goal, and you don't reach it, just reset it. Just just set it for a, a, as realistic as you can think. You know, um, and so I, I'm saying two years or less that um, I'm going to be up and. Gosh, what was it? Two, well, probably a week ago or so, maybe two weeks. Um, I did 1,755 feet with a walker at one time. And that was, that. that's my record so far. And, oh my gosh, I was just dumping sweat. I mean, just pouring down me. I had sweatpants running into my eyes. And, um, but that's what it's going to take, you know, just all that hard work. Um but the next step uh, is to really just kind of work back into those loft strand crutches because um, that works a lot of my core, which is kind of my weak point at this moment. My core and my pelvis uh, don't really want to work for me a lot of the times. So uh, that's kind of the next step. But uh, I actually have a goal, and I'm going to try and put together maybe an event. We'll see. I don't know because I do like support, and it kind of helps. But um December 1st, I really want, of this year, I really, really want to walk a mile. That That's my goal. So December 1st, I'm going to try and walk a mile. And I want to try and do it maybe at like Hidden Valley or Grants Pass High School on the track so I can kind of know exactly where I'm at on a mile. So That'd be cool. Yeah, that that's where I'm at right now. So, How many steps in a mile? 5,280. I've done over a quarter mile because that's 1,320, I believe. Yeah, so you're well on your way there. Oh yeah, I'm I'm getting there. I'll, I'll be there by December. 
especially because I uh, I posted on Facebook like probably oh, it was last week actually at the beginning of the week and just said, hey, you know, I I really want to start walking more, but I don't really have anyone to walk with and I can't do it by myself yet just because if I need to sit, it's like, I got to sit now, you know? Mm -hmm. And if, if I walk away from my chair, I can't just walk right back to it if I'm ready to sit. Um, so I kind of need someone to follow me along. Um, and I had, it was amazing how many people were like, I'll do it. Just message me or, you know, let me know when and where. I think I had like 50 different people like and comment and it just, and that's what I say. Like the community around here is fabulous. Like, um, just coming alongside and doing whatever they can to help me and just being selfless for, you know, some of the people I don't even really know, you know how you get people on your Facebook. You're like, I don't know who this is, but we got a lot of mutual friends. Sure. I'll add you. Except. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and some of those people I've never met face to face, but they're just willing to give up their time for me. And it just, I mean, it just, it's a warm heartwarming feeling especially with everything going on right now so um and the cool thing is is uh teresa haley i feel like you know teresa mm -hmm. yeah. yeah so she reached out to me and she was like heck yeah you let me know when and where so i got a hold of her because um her son went through a pretty uh tragic accident too and um they told him he would never walk again either and um and he's walking now and so she was like, heck yeah, let's do it. Like you tell me when and where and we'll do it. So I've been going over to their house. Last week I went two different days. Um, and one of them was actually my birthday and they surprised me. Um, they invited a couple people, some close friends and stuff. And they all showed up with signs and stuff. And it, it was just really cool. And I actually ended up, I've only walked outside three times. Uh, graduation last Tuesday and then last Thursday. So you're picking up some steam then. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Well, and, and my body with heat and cold, um, for the longest time it was really hard because your spinal cord controls everything from head to toe, including your body's regulatory, um, system. So, you know, if you, for me, I, I couldn't sweat. So like country crossings, that was brutal. I, I would just get so hot that literally I, I couldn't um, sweat at all. So I would just overheat. Mm. So it was like drinking. Brutal. Oh, yeah, it, especially there. They actually broke one of the, um, gosh, who was it? It was Keith Urban. After he came off stage and did the whole thing for my birthday. I don't know if you remember that. I do. I just watched the video the did other you? day. Oh, yeah. God, that's so sweet. But so they, when he was like, oh, yeah, everybody come up and you know, kind of broke the fire code, I got inundated by so many people and I was already overheated, and then all those people's body heat, I just, I, I started, I, I, I was starting to worry that I was gonna pass out and started feeling like it. And luckily one of the sheriffs was walking by and I was like, hey, can you get me out of here? So they just broke that front gate apart, got me back behind stage, and just cooled me off. I mean, I had towels and water, and it was great. I mean, it was really great, but it was like, holy cow, like that, that was an eye-opener, and you know, I'd had issues before, um, but now, um, I'm starting to sweat a little bit more, but it's still not a hundred percent. So like on two or Thursday and Tuesday walking outside and, you know, we were trying about seven thirty eight. It's still hot, man. I mean, 
uh, just dumping sweat. But I still did, um, on Thursday, I did 874 feet outside in 90-degree weather. So is that a good thing if you sweat now? Well, yeah. If you you really weren't sweating before and then you start to sweat, does that mean things are starting to In in my opinion, I think so. I mean, I, I don't see why it wouldn't be, but... I mean, it still, it helps cool me down a little bit, especially if there's a breeze, you know, Mm -hmm. it's like, oh, I just, I'm loving this. This is great. Keep it coming. So, uh, yeah, so it's getting better, but like when the temperature kind of fluctuates around here, you know, when we went through that week where it was like 90 degrees and then all of a sudden it was down to like, like 60 or 70, that really messes with my body and it makes it hard for me. Um, and every time the seasons change, it's kind of hard for me, um, just to adjust again, but you know, it's just something you deal with and go on with life. So you mentioned before we started this, we took a picture that you don't wear shorts very often. Is Uh, that why does it have to do with like the the cooling of your legs or it's just a personal thing? It's well, it's not even that it's a personal thing. It's just, I don't know. Well, for the longest time, I guess it was, you know, your legs atrophy. Um, and so they get a lot smaller, but, um, I didn't, I didn't really want people being like, whoa, like his legs are tiny and they're not bad. I don't think now. I mean, you can definitely see some atrophy, but they're not too bad, but I'm just, I'm a Wrangler jeans guy, man. I I wear Wrangler jeans every day with my cowboy boots. I mean, it's just my style. Good for you. Yeah. If I, if I could wear my cowboy hat every day, I probably would, but sometimes it just gets too hot and I can't. So, but yeah. And, And even the boots, I mean, Holy cow. You know how they say like most of your body heat escapes through your head and your feet. They're definitely right. Cause my feet are friggin' so hot every day, but it's like, that's, that's a commitment. Oh yeah. Well, you know, a lot of times you see guys that are in wheelchairs or even women, um, they're in, and, and I guess this plays into the shorts thing too. They're either in basketball shorts or sweats or, you know, something comfy just cause it's comfy. Mm-hmm. For me, it's like, I don't want to look like I belong in a wheelchair. That's not me. And Good for you. Yeah. I, I just, and not to put anyone down who does, because I understand. I mean, like I said, driving today, I drove back from Lakeview. I'm wearing shorts because that's a long time to sit in a truck and my Dodge seats aren't the most comfortable. So. Yeah. Um, what do you want to do from here? Like, what do you see the rest of your life, how that plays out. Obviously it's very hard to, to guess and predict. And just when we think we haven't figured out, that's when there's another switch, switch or fork (laughs) in the road. Right. Um, well, I don't know. I just, I have this burning passion, man. I just, I really want to inspire people. I really want to help people be the best they can. And, um, that's kind of how this all happened for me coming here tonight. You know, you, you invite me over was like, I want, I want to start a podcast. I want to start a blog. Um, and I want to start a website as soon as I've got the funds to do that. Um, and I, I want to make it to where people kind of start catching on to it and make it to where I can get booked to go do public speaking anywhere and everywhere. I mean, that, w- that would be my ultimate dream. Either that or getting paid just to drive places because I love to drive. I mean, that truck, I put 90,000 miles on it in the first year. 90,000 oh, a yeah. year? Oh, yeah. How is that even possible? I just drove everywhere every day. Well, honestly, most of it was local. Like, I would just hit the mountains and just go as far as, far as I could and as long as I could. 90,000 miles. 90,000 miles. I think I did, like, 
three or four long trips. Yeah. Other than that. Where'd I mean, you go? Like Portland. So not really long, but Portland or like Sacramento. But other than that, most of it was local. So That's incredible. Yeah. I know that when I got my car and I was 18, I drove a lot. I think one year I put 20-ish thousand yeah. miles and my dad was where are you going? What have you, you know, he wanted to know, oh, yeah. you know, how, oh. how's that even possible? You know, oh, yeah. because then in the late nineties, it wasn't like it is now where everyone just drives everywhere. Right. And I mean, it was getting more like that. Right. But when you live in Glendale, it's like, you've been to Grants Pass every day this week. We right. would only go when we had to get groceries and, you know, well, it was probably before cell phones really took yeah. off. So it was like, really, where were you? You know? Yeah. Yeah. And you don't need to do that. Well, I want to do that. Exactly. I don't oh. need to, but I want to. I mean, yeah. I thought I needed to. It's just that freedom. And and see, for me, it was like I didn't even get my driver's license until I was 18, I think, 19. And What was that process like? Oh, man, it was great. I loved it. Like, So uh, there was a guy in town that actually took me out and uh, let me drive his van. He was a C5... Um, so I'm a C5 incomplete, which means I didn't completely sever my spinal cord. I just barely, I actually barely bruised it. Um, but he was a complete, so it completely severed a spinal cord. So he, he literally had no use of any of his fingers and just, he would palm his steering wheel. I'm like, holy cow. Like you don't realize it looking at someone driving a vehicle. I mean, would you imagine seeing my truck and thinking, Oh, that guy's probably in a wheelchair. Like, no. Yeah. And if I wouldn't have seen a picture of it before, before I wouldn't have expected you to drive up. Right. So, um, so he took me out and I just got to drive around at the fairgrounds and kind of get a feel for it. And it was like, Oh, this is great. Like I've missed, cause I was learning how to drive when it happened or actually I was getting ready to go in and get my license. Like, so I got hurt on the first and I was going in, I think on like the 10th to get my license. So it was like, Oh, you're right there. Nope. Take it away from you. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, so it was just like, it was the coolest thing to be able to drive again. Felt so good. Um, and then when I went, we actually, there was a guy in Medford who'd passed away. He was a paraplegic and uh, the car was all set up with hand controls and it got bought by a nonprofit in town. And then uh, we basically paid what they paid for it. And um, so I got a little Buick Century, <laughs> ugly little car, but I, it was, you know, it was freedom. freedom yeah. yeah. And so I uh, kind of learned how to drive with that again. And it was, there was some scary moments <laughs> um, over by where, uh, I don't even remember the name of the bank now, but uh, the old soft queue. I popped up on the curb right there. Um, one time by accident, scared my mom to death. Uh, but that was the only time I ever really had issues with it. And then went in and took my driving test and the gal was like, wait, you can drive? Like, I've never done a test with hand controls. And I was like, oh, well, let's go. And took off and passed it with flying colors, man. It was great. For people who don't know, what is it like inside your truck? You talk about hand controls. What's the setup like? So it really, it looks like, um, so my truck's a normal pickup. It's a Dodge Ram 2500. um, And I don't have anything special as far as getting in or out, I, it's kind of, it's pretty cool to watch, I think. And I've had a lot of people tell me that, but, um, I literally use my chair to get in. So I take one wheel off or actually I transfer to my floorboard, 
flip my chair on the side, take one wheel off, throw it in the back, flip the chair over, take the other wheel off, and then I use my chair as kind of like a step stool, and then I just push up with my arms on the seat in the door and get up into the seat and then reach down and grab my chair and put it in the passenger seat. Um, that's the in and out. And then uh, as far as actually going, so it's, it's uh, gosh, how do I explain it? It's like, so it's basically a bar that's right underneath my steering wheel that kind of hangs off to the left-hand side. And uh, it's attached to the steering column. And it's got two bars, one for the gas and one for the brake that go and attach just above the pedals. Um, and then I, I just literally push straight down for gas and push straight in for brake. And if I want a power brake, I just push in and then brake down. Or brake, push push in for brake and then push down for gas so I can still burn out. So you run that control with one hand and then yep. the wheel with the other. Yeah, and I've got uh, a really nice steering knob in there, or a suicide knob, they call it. Or a Brody knob. Um, or a Brody knob. Who you're talking to. I was going to say, there's all different <laughs> names. Um, and it's funny because a lot of people, that's, that's what they see because the hand controls are below the level of the door, and they'll see the Brody knob, and they're like, oh my gosh, you have one of those? That's so cool. And then I'm like, actually, like you should see the rest of it because that's <laughs> the cool part. And then they're like, oh my gosh, that's the coolest thing, you know? Um, or even going through like a drive-through because like I said, my hands don't work properly. Um, and so a lot of times I have to like use my other arm to push my arm, ooh, sorry, uh, push my other arm to grab the food or hand the money over or whatever. And they're like, oh, is your arm hurt? And I'm like, well, actually... I'm paralyzed in a wheelchair and then the reactions are just like, what? Like, holy cow, that's crazy. And you drive this thing. So, but it, it's fun. And, and a lot of that, actually, I think my favorite thing is, um, and it's kind of funny, but kind of bad at the same time. I'll pull into like a handicap spot and you know, a big truck like that, it's up on 35 inch wheels. And, uh, you know, I just get the dirtiest looks, you know, people just like, you're not handicapped if you drive that thing. And all of a sudden I'll drop my wheelchair out and they're like, they come running and they're like, oh my gosh, can I help you? And it's like, no, I'm good, but thank you. You know, it's really great of you to offer, but it just cracks me up. It's so funny. So, so is that something that when someone asks you for help, is it a hard spot to be in? No. Um, you kind of just get used to it. it. At first it was like, I was a very independent person. So it was like, I, I just want to do everything myself. And, and that, was kind of hard. That was one of those adjustment things because mm -hmm. there was a lot of things I literally could not do for myself. Um, and so it was just like, I just had to learn to be like, okay, just kind of swallow your pride and just let it happen. So, um, and you know, when I'm out and about and someone offers me help, and I get really persistent people. I swear they're like, I'll, I'll be like, no, it's okay. And they're like, no, 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 I'm doing this. And sometimes that gets a little annoying because it's like, you know, I want to do this for myself, but at the same time, it's like, it kind of restores my faith in humanity. Cause it's mm -hmm. like, you know, these people are just wanting to be nice and help me, but it, you know, it's that even balance of like, do I let them or do I just, you know, do it myself? So, um, I don't know. It's just, it's really great to see that out there and, you know, and, and sometimes it's like, gosh, I just wish someone would ask to help, you know? And, and sometimes I just, it's a pride thing for me. I have a really hard time still asking for help for things. So I don't know. It's just one of those things you have to do, I guess. <laughs> Which could be one of the reasons 
why you've been able to do as much as you've done, right? Because right. if you're one of those people who always asks for help, then you're never getting better right. because you're having someone else do it for you. Exactly. And so you're pushing yourself and that's probably part of it. Oh yeah. Or you can be like me and like when you talk about getting out of your truck, there's a certain way you know exactly right. what needs to be done in right. order to make it happen. It's like me in a pop-up tent. I've probably set up a pop-up tent a thousand plus times with remote broadcasts. And when someone, I'm at the lake or wherever, and someone's like, let me help you with that. And they're stepping on the bottom and trying right. to yank it up. I'm they like, make it 10 times like, harder for you. If you just pick it up and pull the leg out, there's no pressure on it, but it's so frustrating to me. So I could imagine, I'm just trying oh, yeah. to find some kind of parallel to compare Oh no, to that's like, totally. Actually, I know that I put this wheel on, then I flip it, then yep. I turn it, then I roll it, yep. then I kick it. But it's really, I mean, cause it's, you know, it's not a tent and it's kind of, you know, my wheelchair, it's not a tent obviously, but I mean, that's a very good parallel, but at the same time, you know, people are kind of like, you know, kind of want to, be careful because they don't really know a lot about it. Mm -hmm. Um, and so they're like, okay, how do I do this? And so a lot of times when someone does ask for help and I'm like, sure, or thank you, you know, um, I'll just run them through step by step. And, and sometimes they try to skip ahead and try and do it their own way. And I'm like, no, 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 wait, like this is exactly how I need it. Cause if my chair gets put in the wrong spot in my truck, it has to go in my front seat. It can be in the back, but it's just 10 times harder for me to get to it. Um, or if my wheels are completely across on the opposite side, cause those mega cabs are huge. Mm -hmm. Um, it's really hard for me to get it. So I'm like, put it right behind me, you know, put my chair over here or just hand it to me and I can put it there myself. Um, and usually people are really great about it. So that's cool. Yeah. It's been, it's, it's been a learning experience for sure. Well, I'm sure, especially, I mean, you, you could have purchased a low rider and it probably would have been a little easier. Right. Well, actually it's funny cause like the Buick that I used to drive was harder for me to get in and out of. I, I feel guess like it could be just sitting so low to the ground. Right. Sometimes you're trying to, cause yeah. you have to push up as opposed to dropping down. Maybe. Right. Right. Yeah. And so I don't know. It's, I love that thing. It's my, it's my baby. It looks like fun. Oh yeah. So it, you know, it takes me everywhere. I can, I've actually got a side by side too. And it just loads right in the bed. Um, so I can just kind of go anywhere. And you load the side by side. No, I can't. Of it? I was gonna say, I man, can't. I want to yeah. see how you pull that off. No, yeah, someday just drop out of the side of the bed. <laughs> no, um, oh yeah, someday definitely. But now I need to get a trailer too for it. It'd be a lot easier. That's true. That's kind of tall. My dad loaded it for me the other day. Um, I took it to Lakeview and it's still over there because I'm going back tomorrow. But um, he almost rolled it going into the bed. So. It's better that I don't do it myself. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it's fun. Gets me around. Gets me up in the mountains. Gets me away from all the craziness of the world and just, ah, uh, it's, it's freedom. Well, and you were telling me before we started this podcast that you got to fly in a small plane for the first time just oh, in, yeah. in the past couple of days. Oh, yeah. Being over in Lakeview. It was, was a blast. Like? Oh, it was, like I told you, man, it was, it was one of the coolest experiences, and now I'm just... I'm hooked. I, I want to get my own plane when I'm back on my feet, but you know, they're kind of expensive. Um, it was fun. It just, there's a lot of freedom even more. So, you know, you can just see everything. We were cruising at 8,000 feet and just able to see the whole world. It seemed like, so it was a lot of fun. And we're actually, um, so like I said, so I drove three hours back today, um, going to physical therapy tomorrow, came back to do this. 
um, going to physical therapy tomorrow. And then as soon as I'm done hitting the highway and heading back to Lakeview, um, spending the night there. And then we're waking up at like four 30 and heading to Montana. What are you doing in Montana? Uh, my buddy who his dad's the one who took me in the plane. Um, his older brother actually bought a plane. So we're driving the motor over, um, and they're going to put it in the plane and fly it back. So, and on the way back, um, my buddy and I, so the, it's going to be me, him, his brother and his brother's wife. And those, the, the brother and the wife are actually going to fly the plane back and him and I are going to drive the car back, take turns. Um, cause it's a long drive and, uh, we're going to go to Yellowstone and check out all the, some of the sites cause I've never been to Montana and I've always wanted to go. So that sounds awesome. Oh. I've never been either. Well, I'll, I'll definitely take lots of pictures. Cool. I'm so stoked. Oh, well, so. that sounds like it'll be a lot of fun. What didn't we touch on before I let you go? Cause my computer cord is apparently not working and it's got a short and it's going to die in a few minutes. So oh, we're going to have to wrap it up shortly yeah, cause no we're worries. already out. We're at about, 75 minutes Holy 77 cow. has minutes. it really been yeah. that long yeah oh my gosh um, doesn't feel like it does it no way i don't know i just i guess uh just to tell people you know never give up keep doing keep fighting no matter what no matter if the odds are you know if, if they give you a if you have a terminal disease or a horrible injury or even just you know you're having a financial hard time or you know something that might seem small to other people but it's big to you just never stop just keep going you know i, I can't stress that enough because it just seems like we've got a lot of quitters in the world now and and, and that won't get you anywhere you know no nope. kind of kind of like people have always said gosh you're so positive about this and it's like well being negative doesn't do me anything good it just for me i've learned that if i'm negative it actually increases the pain in my body so why wouldn't I want to be happy all the time, you know? Yeah, and if you were to rewind and go back and just drown yourself in negativity, would you be driving that truck? No. Would I, you I wouldn't have be a side by side. No, I wouldn't be doing anything. I wouldn't be walking. I wouldn't you know, walking with I wouldn't be doing anything. I'd just be probably sitting at home doing nothing. Yeah. So and that's who wants to live like that, you know? I wanna get out in the world. I wanna be seen. Take advantage of the sights and scenes to yeah. to enjoy and oh yeah and be a part of and and like you said hopefully make someone else's day better at the same time yeah exactly well so. i appreciate you coming over man you're definitely an inspiration well, i appreciate and that. uh keep up the good work thank you and uh let me know if december 1st is going to happen or not oh i will I'll I, come, I promise i'll come make an appearance That'd just remind so. me i'll come cheer you on heck yeah and uh i'd love to do that sweet for sure, for sure. thank you for having me yeah, man, absolutely. It's been uh, very enjoyable, and uh, it's uh, it's cool to see what you're doing. You yeah. know, there's like you said, there's a lot of quitters out there, and um, there's a lot of opportunity and a lot of good things that come to people who want to put in the effort. Yeah, and uh, and that comes in a lot of different forms too. Right. You know, whether it's just trying to walk again, or just trying to, you know, get the job you've always wanted, or just trying to make it in this world. Right. You know, Everyone has their own trials and tribulations. Yep. Just got to pick yourself up and Keep try moving. again. Yep. There you go, Clyde Severson Jr., also known as CJ, buddy. It's been a great chat, and uh, you're always welcome back here anytime. And uh, we'll go ahead and wrap this up, and then we'll chit-chat off the record about some of this stuff. And then uh, we'll wrap it up for the evening now that it's kind of somewhat comfortable in here. Right. (laughs) 
All right, there it is. Garage Talk Podcast with Jason Allen. You can find it just about anywhere. Apple, uh, Google, Stitcher, uh, you name it. It's all there. GarageTalkPodcast.com. Rate, review, share it with your friends. It's greatly appreciated. Spread love out there. Remember to be kind to everyone. Have a great uh, rest of your day, and we'll be back again soon right here in the garage.